Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Nearly 4,500 employees with the city of San Jose are about to go on a three-day strike starting next week. After contract negotiations over higher pay fell through, workers from the housing department to the zoo say they plan to walk off the job until the city agrees to pay up. I'm in a little bit of a daze. I'm happy. It's where we need to go. But I'm thinking, it's a shame it had to come to this. I I would really prefer not to strike. I had a lot of nervous nights around it. I was on the negotiating team. But there's this aura here. There's this aura about good things are going to happen. But 4,500 people whose literal job is to keep the city running? That's a lot of people. So what do all these employees say they want from the city that they aren't getting? And what's a strike going to mean for all the crucial services they provide? That's coming up right after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast 2 at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. We're talking about a lot of workers. I mean, this is nearly 4,500 employees in jobs all across the city. Guy Marzarati is a politics and government correspondent for KQED who's based in San Jose. 
Literally from A to Z, you have airport employees at San Jose Mineta, you have zoo workers at Happy Hollow. In between that, you have, you know, code inspectors, people managing city parks, librarians, city planners. All these employees uh, had their contract expire on June 30th uh, and are now, you know, potentially going to be striking next week. And the plan is a work stoppage that's set to begin six in the morning on Tuesday, August 15th, and last until six in the morning on Friday, August 18th. That does not include, however, police and fire. They are not allowed to strike in California. And besides that, they are separate uh, unions that have their own existing contracts with the city. Why is this happening? Like, how did we get here? Yeah, well, one huge piece of this is San Jose's tax base. I mean, historically, it's been the only major city in the U.S. that has a smaller daytime population than a nighttime population. And what that basically means is there's not a lot of jobs here. Historically, people live in this city but go to work for companies that are located elsewhere in the Bay. And that's led to a lot of challenges with the tax base. So on a per capita basis, San Jose is getting you know lower property tax revenue, lower sales tax revenue than its neighbors. And then what that translates to is a lack of funding for city services. I think it's kind of well um, understood that we are underpaid compared to other municipalities. So Michael John works on residential development in the city's housing department. He talked a lot about making up the gap between what he's paid and kind of what he thinks he deserves. What we're hoping for is a little bit of kind of just trying to make up the gap between what we feel we deserve and what we feel is required to provide the level of services our residents deserve and what the city right now is willing to give. He mentioned anecdotally, at least, uh, he sees colleagues leaving. I, I don't know, just like last month, we had several closings and new construction groundbreakings. But if we had more people, we could have built more affordable housing and quicker. So I also talked to a city employee named David Nurhood. Um, I'm a 22-year veteran of the city of San Jose. I worked the first. He's a financial analyst with the Department of Transportation. Before that, he worked with the Department of Public Works. I'm in a little bit of a daze. I'm happy. It's where we need to go. But I'm thinking, it's a shame it had to come to this. I, I would really prefer not to strike. I had a lot of nervous nights around it. I was on the negotiating team. So I know that we weren't where we needed to be. So I'm fully in favor of it. And I think the nervousness... He used this word training ground. That's how he described San Jose. So you get these kids coming out of college, and I've worked with so many of them. And they're some of the most capable young kids um, that I meet. And I'm getting excited. He talked about all these experiences he's had with young planners or young engineers that he's helped train in his department who have then, you know, in a year or maybe two years, they call him and say, you know, David, thanks for everything, but I've got uh, a better job offer in Fremont, in Santa Clara, somewhere else. And he loses that kind of uh, budding talent. Uh, they'll get paid better with probably a less complicated workload, I don't know the word to use, um, for doing the same exact work um, at that other place. The unions want a pay increase over the next three fiscal years. In their most recent offer, workers would get a 7% increase this year, 6% the following, and 5% after that. The city has offered a 5%, 4%, and 3% raise over that same period. And the city says that's because they can't really afford to go any higher. I know you 
talked with Mayor Matt Mahan. How has he responded to these demands to pay workers more? Yeah, so I'll start by noting that the unions are actually negotiating with officials in the city manager's office, not the mayor's office. So in this setup, Mahan's just one vote on the council. The council can meet with the city manager and give direction on what can be offered. But all that said, Mahan has been kind of the de facto spokesperson for the city side of bargaining. So we have limited resources. We're always trying to strike a fair balance for both residents and city workers. He's basically made the argument that the fiscal year's already started. Uh, the council, if they offer more than 5%, they're going to have to go back into the budget that they approved in June and find cuts. The math is very clear. And I certainly don't want to see and won't support cuts to police or fire staffing, library hours, any other essential services. At the margins, there may be ways to be creative, but we have to find ongoing funding for wage increases. So far, Mahan's kind of stuck to that argument. That being said, he hasn't really gone on the offensive against the unions, and that's something I'm going to be watching in the days to come. Now that we're edging towards this massive work stoppage, does he, like, kind of heat up his rhetoric and even go as far as, like, attacking the unions, attacking city workers? I mean, what do we make of that idea, Guy, that, like, there isn't enough money to raise wages by the amount that the union wants. I mean, I feel like that's sort of something we hear often. Like, what do we make of that idea that it would require cuts to other things that people probably won't be happy about? Yeah, so I think, you know, that all that remains to be seen. Like, it's impossible to know until the council would be pressed in that situation if they had to go above whatever they allocated for raises in this fiscal year to go back and amend the budget. And, you know, you often do get into kind of accounting tricks where, You budget something based on excess funds that you think you might have at the end of the year. Uh, Mahan wants to avoid that. Union leaders have made the argument that the city often ends up with this kind of excess funds and that that might be a place to look in the union's opinions for ways to get the existing city employees higher wages in the short term. Well, I mean, Guy, 4,500 city workers going on strike, that's pretty significant. Is the city prepared? No, I mean, you can prepare, but there is no way you can completely mitigate the effects. I mean, San Jose has about 7,000 employees. We're talking about unions representing 4,500 people. Now, it would be a huge impact, and the city acknowledges that. Well, there are likely to be disruptions, and a lot of that will depend on how many people adhere to the strike itself. I talked with Kip Harkness. He's a deputy city manager. He said, uh, with the caveat that, you know, it's impossible to know the full effect of a strike until we see how many people wake up that morning and, and hit the picket lines. But he expects libraries, community centers to be among the places that residents would really notice a drop off in service. Where there would be service difficulties, we have plans for workers, contractors to continue the work. Got it. So it would be bringing in contractors to maybe fill some of those positions? Perhaps contractors to fill some of those positions, as well as for certain positions that are critical to public health and safety, those can be prohibited from striking. Garbage and recycling services are contracted out, so they're not going to be affected by a strike. But outside of that, union officials have warned of really broad impacts. I mentioned the airport. They say there could be flight delays, uh, youth summer camps getting canceled. So starting next week, over the course of those three days, residents could notice, you know, a lot of changes. 
There is still time between now and the start of the strike, right, Guy? So does that mean that things could take a turn before the strike even happens? Yeah, there's still definitely the possibility that a deal gets reached. The city council met Tuesday with the city manager in closed session. Um, Again, they could kind of give direction to raise the offer. There's also this possibility that Mahan floated when I talked with him about the second and third years of the contract. So maybe there's ways to increase those raises based on how much tax revenue comes in. If our revenue comes in higher than expected, I think it would be appropriate for us to have a modest increase that's automatically triggered if there's more money. If we have the money there, I I would be perfectly happy with increasing wages. Or even just build those raises in and then you go into the next budget process knowing that you have to account for those. I think what the what Mayhan and, and like-minded city officials are really concerned about is this current fiscal year where they've already passed the budget. That process is done. They're worried about having to go revisit uh, those numbers. How would you maybe sum up this moment in San Jose? Like, why do you think this is happening now? Well, I'd say the mood is probably, you know, a bit uncertain. There hasn't been a major strike in the city like this since 1981. So this whole experience is going to be new for a lot of residents, even a lot of city officials. I mean, they, they've never experienced uh, something like that. As to why this is happening now, I mean, we are in the hot labor summer, I guess, and we're <laughs> seeing this kind of extend to the municipal sector, not just in San Jose. L.A. too, there, there was a one-day strike on Tuesday by thousands of city employees there. And it's the same story you hear in the private sector, right? The cost of living has skyrocketed with inflation. And again, when you're only able to bargain or negotiate these wages on a set timetable, over the span of this contract that expired on June 30th, that's when we've seen this major inflation occur in the country. So there hasn't been an opportunity for a lot of workers to go to the table and in their mind kind of catch up to all the rising prices that have been baked in over the last few years. You may only get this one chance every few years to secure a boost like this. The stakes are magnified by inflation, and I think that's why you're seeing this standoff. Guy, thanks. Thank you. That was Guy Marzarati, a politics and government correspondent for KQED, who's based in San Jose. Guy's also the producer of the Political Breakdown podcast, which you can find wherever you found the Bay. This episode was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. Maria Esquinka is our producer. She scored this episode and added all the tape. Extra production support from me. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Hot labor summer. Did you make that up? No, I did not make that up. But on top of hot labor summer, it's also just a hot summer. Can I say that too? This is all, (laughs) you know, taking place uh, in just a hot South Bay summer as well. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.